Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to part two on a discussion of excellence. Jake and Steph both being extremely excellent. Let's crack on. We're all British today, I guess. So uh, there's something unattractive about perfection in our culture. It's not the same around the world. I've gigged a lot in Australia, America, India, South Africa. A lot of countries where the more perfect things are and the more perfect you are, the more attractive the person. But there's something in Britishness, isn't there, where we're like, he's perfect now. Yeah. Like there's something we reject, there's something we don't trust about perfection. And it's different to excellence, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But what's interesting is when you're growing up, you put people on a perfect pedestal, don't you? Where you look at people, whether it's your peers or, you know, people in business or whatever, the industry you want to work in, and you look at them and think, oh, my God, they're perfect. And I think that's intimidating as well. And, and that's another reason why mm. I think, you know, women struggle because, for example, it's really hard to get business women to talk on telly because they know for a fact they will be judged more on their looks than anything they say. And I've had that happen where I've rang a company, it's got an amazing female CEO, and I'll be like, oh, Sandra, will you come on and do it? No, 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 I'm going to get Steve to do it. And I'm like, why? And she's like, oh, no, I'm not right for telly. And that happens a lot. And I'm like, no, you're the role model. You need to come on. But because they don't look perfect, whatever that means, then they're afraid to. And I think one of the things that really stuck in my head, because, you know, as a TV presenter, as a woman, I am also judged on how I look. But a few years ago, I kind of thought, I'm never going to look like, you know, whoever's you want to put as your Holly Willoughby's or whoever else. But I don't need to because that's not why people like me anyway. And, and it, But it takes a bit of maturity to understand that about yourself. And also the other thing I've always done is I think everyone shit shags and shaves. And I think that then... Or, you know, in different frequencies, depending on what's going on in your life. But that has really helped me. Like when I've had I to. I can't interview... do any in my house. I've just moved. I can't do fucking any of those things. <laughs> but that's really helped me with interviews and stuff. Like when I've had to interview a prime minister or whatever, I just go, they shit, shag, and shave. So do I. Yeah. Like we're all the same, really, oh, no matter what you think. And that's really helped me when you think of people as not being perfect, who you everyone else might think is. I love that. So I think it's worth just reading out this Canadian study. It's a bit longer than some of the studies I read out. So just give me like a couple of minutes. So excellence over perfectionism has been studied. 
And apparently excellence leads to more creativity than striving for perfection. It was 300 odd Canadian undergraduate students. They completed measures of perfectionism and excellenceism, if that's a word. Participants were shown statements about their goals with some reflecting perfectionism. My goal at school is to be exceptionally productive all the time. And some excellenceism, for example, my goal is to perform very well rating how much they agreed with them on a scale from one to seven. Next, their creativity was tested with a divergent thinking measure. They were asked to come up with as many creative answers as they could to several questions, including tell us different ways you could use a newspaper, name all the things you can think of that make a noise, things like that. Finally, they completed a scale measuring openness to experience, which included questions about imagination, interest in art, intellect and liberalism. The results revealed that the more participants strove for excellence, the greater originality and openness to experience they showed. In contrast, the more perfectionist participants had fewer original ideas and they were less open to experience. This suggests that an element of flexibility not present in perfectionism can improve our creative thinking. It's interesting stuff. I mean, what I'm really big on flexibility. I think you need to have an idea of where you want to go, but you need to be really flexible about how you get there. And the problem with perfectionism, as it mentioned just there, right, is I think it stops people from exploring. Because I think basically, whereas excellence is like an ambition and a desire and a positive, I think perfectionism is a negative. It's almost like a kind of shackle that you put on yourself. And if you don't get there, then it's disappointing. So once you try a few times and you fail and you struggle, unless you've got unbelievable resilience, you basically stop going for it. And so then you stop exploring. And if you're not exploring, then you're not being flexible. And if you're not being flexible, you won't find the way around it. Like I often look at the world and I say this to my my wife as well as my kids, like there are two ways to look at the world. You can either look at it as a shifting mat that you're learning to dance on, or you can constantly say, oh my goodness, the rug's been pulled out from under my feet again. And like the rug will constantly get pulled and there'll be constantly mm. issues and struggles and problems. And you've got to embrace like dancing on this rug and seeing all of the shitty things that will come your way as a positive. Yes, sorry, I shouldn't have sworn. <laughs> saying all, seeing all the bad things, I'm just, I've got my little I know. swear checker in the corner. I like the way she, she came like, in like a sort of corrective rug, as you said. Daddy! <laughs> How about you pull Until, that swearing rug away? <laughs> you, yeah, there you go. I'm just dancing on the rug, uh, making mistakes, and I'm not perfect, Florence. Um, and I, I, that is so important that we, this kind of flexible mindset to everything we do. Yeah. And if you want perfection, you, you, you're not going to have that flexible mindset. Yeah. But don't you think that's the problem with the education system is that it's a very rigid view of perfection and excellence is purely academics, which leave, leaves no room for any kind of creativity or flexibility in learning. Like the school I went to was in a really tough area, but we were really taught not just about academia, but the world of work. So loads of people from my school, which included hitmen, sons, drug dealers, sons, that type of thing, have done well because they were they didn't have the structure at home to be academic. But what they did have was incredible resilience, incredible skills at budgeting and finding money and whatever means it was. You know, they had all that. And the school put it to good use. They said to us, this, you'd be great at this job or whatever. They didn't go, you need to pass your English and Maths GCSE. And that was that. And looking at all of how we've done that particular cohort in the school at the time, the people have gone on to do amazing jobs. And I'm really proud of that because we're from the area that was always bottom of the list for everything. Do you think the system, Steph, is, is gamed against working class people achieving excellence? Yeah, 
Because the pure academic route is only really capable for people who've got the structure at home, the space at home and everything else to do all the additional learning. Great if you're lucky enough to be naturally academic. Great. Mm. But if you're not and you don't have that structure at home, you're never going to be able to learn in the way the world wants, nor do we need in the jobs we have around the world so everyone to be that siloed academic person. We need people to be, you know, thinking all kinds of different ways. The, the, my greatest skill is being able to talk to people, but that isn't something I didn't examine. Correct. And so... We value the wrong stuff. Yeah. We value the wrong stuff, don't we? Like, Florence, just when we don't know the answer to a question on your homework, who do we ask? You. No. <laughs> when we don't know a maths question, what do we shout out? Hey... Right, exactly. Hey, Alexa, right? So she sits in the corner and answers our maths exams. Now, the reason why that is important, right, is because traditionally we had to know all those things. You'd think back to when it was a British empire, right, and you had children in 15, 16 different countries and they'd all be working, producing the same thing so they had to know the same stuff, right? We don't, that's not the case anymore. Like, we don't need a, a Victorian education system that just wants to know what you know and make sure it's the same whether you're in Middlesbrough, Norwich, South End or wherever. Like, do you all know the same stuff? It does not matter. And we are now in this, like, I think we're like a post-knowledge generation, really. Like, doesn't matter whether you know the answer to maths questions and things because your mobile phone and your smart devices in your home will give you the answer to those things. Mm. But if my children come back from school and they don't have emotional intelligence and they don't have empathy and they can't speak to people, you know those kids that you meet and you think there's something not right about this kid and they have that, they lack that charm. And they're probably at the top in all the things Future in Future prime minister, I'd imagine. Yes, probably. Yeah. <laughs> but... That's what we have to be teaching our children. Um, if people want to watch a really interesting TED Talk, so Ted Robinson, who passed away actually sadly from COVID last year. Yes, I know the TED Talks you're talking about. It's Sir Ken Robinson, that one. Yes, amazing. His talk about education was exactly that, really, that, you know, it doesn't matter where we are in the world, but everything up here is maths, science, technology, knowledge. Down here is dance, drama, art. You know, I already know that Florence is allowed to take one creative subject for her GCSEs. She should be taking five or six. Mm. Her brother maybe should be taking one. So why why are they both in that same system? Yeah, it's, yeah. Right. it's so true. And you're right about Ted Robinson because he does an amazing like animation of what, um, with the Royal College of Art, I think, called the Royal Society of Art. And they've done this amazing animation of what education looks like across the world and how it just is a sausage factory, how we're all judged on our best before date or whatever, and the date of manufacture, which is the day we're born, and how even putting us in the, in that category is daft because <laughs> we, we all learn at different ways. Like, I'm going through that now with my little girl. I'm like, mm. oh, my God, she's still not talking in sentences yet. Oh, my God. And you're just stressing out. And then because there's all these milestones we're meant to hit. But we all know we learn in different ways at different rates. But society Absolutely. forces into this, you know, ridiculous regime that we all we're all meant to follow. Or otherwise, we're deemed not bright, which is one of my mm -hmm. pet hates in life when you're either in the or she's she's really fun, but she's not very bright. I bet she is bright in a million other ways, but just not in the way you're judging her yeah. at this moment. Yes. What is bright? What is bright? Down with the sausage factories. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. 
Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So I don't want to run out of time before we talk about technology and different ways of measuring excellence because it is a double-edged sword. I want to talk about social media because that is a window. I would describe myself as someone who uses social media heavily because I know I have to to make my job be, run even smoother. It's a great way to get comedy out there. If I'm not doing Have I Got News For You or Mock The Week or whatever that week, I can get the jokes out for blah, blah. So I've become a heavy user by default. Would I... If I wasn't doing this job tomorrow, I'd be a heavy user. Would I have any of it? Quite like the idea of fucking it all off. But it's a window that sort of forces us to artificially display what we are excellent versions of ourselves on a daily basis. Now, there's two aspects to this. One, we can sort of see other people and compete with them and try and be more excellent based on their lives. But at the same time, it's toxic, depressing shit. And I want to smash my head into a spike after looking at someone's glutes. Which is it? Uh, and how, how do you find it, Jake? Do you find this fake window pane, primarily Instagram. And in fact, on the day of recording, Facebook has officially gone into decline. And Instagram is probably the leading way we all compare yeah. our different levels of excellence because it's such a visual medium as well. But how do you find it? And how do you think it relates to how people strive for their goals and excellence? Um, I'm a heavy user of Instagram. And exactly like you, I like to think that if I didn't do the job I did, I wouldn't use it in the way that I do. I think I probably still would though. Like... The truth is, I sit there and look at other people's lives on there. Well, I don't need to do that for my job, do I? I don't need to scroll through and see what everyone else has done. But also, there is that weird... I think um, there's been a lot of studies into the fact that our brains are addicted to comparison. Like, comparison is what we do as as human beings, and it's part of a, it's part of our evolution. Because how do we get better all the time and improve all the time? Well, it's comparison. We look at what's around us, and we always want more. That's the way the human brain works. It's the same like you buy a car, and for the first month, you keep it really clean and take it to the car wash. Six months later, it gets a small dig and you're like, well, it's six months old. It's the same car, but your brain has changed in terms of your relationship with it. And I think that human beings are designed in that way. So we have to be really careful. And I think it's really bad for us and it's really unhealthy. And I think that we have to just check all the time how we feel about it. And, and I think you have to be really clear that you are comparing your your real world to someone else's highlights real. You know, the very fact that we can edit our photos before we put them up on social media means it is not real. And I remember actually, we went on a holiday with the kids not long ago and we had a bad weekend. Sebastian, who is notoriously really well behaved, behaved really bad. 
and we sat there having a meal. I said, look, let's just get one photo at least. And we all smiled, right? Took a photo, like grinning at the camera. I put it in the family WhatsApp group and my sister replied and said, why is your life so perfect? And then you think, I wish, why did I bother doing it? Like, why did I want my, even my own family to see that little window of perfection? So we're all addicted to doing it. We're all addicted to watching it. But I think we have to understand that, that the toxicity of it is definitely real and will impact us in the end. So I accidentally ran a controlled experiment, me and Lindsay, not on purpose. While I was away on holiday and posting things I shouldn't because I was drunk, I did like the first ever... By like the way, I loved them. You lot dancing drunk in that restaurant was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Tits out, top topless selfie online, which attracted an all right amount of likes. The excellent, you could say the excellent version of my fit self. And then another video with me being really funny in something got a lot more likes. On Lindsay's feed, almost the total inverse. She's a property investor here, so her doing this amazing uh, transformation uh, video of her refurbing a house. And another one, she's just looking fit with me. Twice the amount of likes. So Lindsay's had a reverse experience on her social media. The one that was more shallowly physical attracted the more attention. You look so good. You look excellent, if you like, for the buzzword of what we're talking about today. And mine, where I thought I'd get all the props for looking excellent, they're like, oh, fuck off you, Bellin. What, how funny are you? To, or what have you done? I mean, that is so depressing. This is 2022. I thought gender had been abolished about two years ago. Yeah, I'm quite new to Instagram still. So I joined it a year ago. And I was kind of made to because I was like, you know, daytime telly is very Instagram friendly. That's where a lot of our viewers will be as well, because I'd only ever done Twitter because when I was doing serious news, apparently that's where you are for that. And I found it fascinating. The whole, as you say, if I put a picture of me looking thin and looking like the best I've ever looked, it will get way more likes than if it's just a normal shot of me. However, if I do a really terrible shot of me, like on purpose, like here I've just woken up with a massive hangover, that will also get loads of likes because people are then like, oh, you're so real, Steph. We love you for being so real. But yeah, <laughs> they want both. But if you put a video clip of you like skewering some politician or getting a consumer rights win in a knockout... People yeah. be like, oh, that's really good, that. But can you do another hangover pick? Yeah, yeah, that, totally. I mean, how fucking depressing is that? <laughs> You're right. Whenever I do work Instagram posts, they never get the same favouritism as the others. But I have to say, I know it's easy for us to slag off social media, but I also think it does open a window for, for people who are lonely as well. And I know there's there they might be seeing a perfect life, but I've got a friend who's talked about having premature babies and she had both of her children were really premature. And she's used Instagram as a way to connect with other women who have been in the same position as her. So for her, like, it's more than just a place for looking at, uh, you know, people living the perfect life. It is a community and she's definitely, it's helped her mental health no end because of that. Of course. One last quick question, because I realise we're out of time. Jake, we have to go back to pretending we're single again. Yeah. Is <laughs> someone who is really excellent at everything sexually attractive or is because we're British, we quite like someone excellent, but she's got a wonky tooth, keeps her real. I can't, I, it makes me very nervous when someone's excellent at everything. It, yeah. it just takes the edge off the sexual attraction. <laughs> I, I don't trust perfect people. You know, I like people to be a little bit shit at some things. That's a turn on. I agree. I mean, I, the thing is, like a lot of people, like imposter syndrome is real, right? I'm sure all three of us on this call have it. Like we did a high performance live show the other day and all these people are sitting there thinking, oh, what are you going to tell us? And my brain is going, think of all the things you don't know rather than the things that you do that are useful for these people. And I think that 
someone who is excellent is a struggle for me. And actually, I don't find excellence attractive or appealing. I mean, I've always weirdly had a proper crush on women who've got like a wonky nose. And I would say to Harriet, gosh, she's really attractive. And Harriet's like, that's another... That's another woman with a slightly wonky nose. What is your... <laughs> I'm, I'm Googling it. That will definitely have a name. I'm Googling it. But, but maybe uh, <laughs> but maybe that in itself... Oh, my God. But maybe... you're, a, you're a rhino wonka file. But, but you know what? Why don't, we, um, why don't we completely change the conversation, right, to the fact that everyone is kind of perfect in their own way? Not being good at everything doesn't mean that you're not perfect. Like, us three are literally perfect because this is what was designed... We're where we should be. We're doing what we should. We're probably doing our best. And even on our bad days, or when we're idiots, or we do stupid things, it's because we're normal human beings. But that is still our perfect because we're imperfect beings, right? Yeah. So let's just be kinder to ourselves. Like life is going to kick us in the balls or punch us in the guts anyway. Why do it to yourself? So, um, Harriet, you're perfect. Fair play, preach. But Steph, do you want to bang excellent people or not, Steph? Well, this is really interesting <laughs> because no matter what your job is excellence in it is really attractive like I I do find that attractive in people like I tend to have gone out with people who are good at their job whatever job they have and it's not perfection and it's not arrogance I'm not I'm not saying I'm you know I'd want to date people who are arrogant definitely not I think that's really deeply unattractive but just there's something about someone being good at their job which I just think is dead sexy I mean, on that note, I think we need to... Uh, we're so excellent, we've finished with a minute to spare. Thank you very much to Jake Humphrey and Steph McGovern. You've been listening to Man Baggage, where we've been talking about excellence, how it affects men and women differently in all aspects of our life. Uh, I've been Russell Kay, not Nick Grimshaw. Please stop messaging me that. If you've liked what you've heard and you've happened here as a fan of either Jake or Steph, highly likely, hang around. Uh, hit subscribe. Do catch up with previous episodes. We talk about a lot of different subjects. Sometimes we go light, sometimes we go deep, sometimes we go dark. Leave a review, but please leave a five-star one because I'm striving for perfection every day, bitches. Goodbye. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.